Acts chapter 3, we'll pick up where we left off last week in Peter's response to the crowd which has now gathered at the temple to see the miracle of the crippled beggar who has been healed. And we have been reading verses 12 through 26, but let's just read beginning in verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So over the last eight sermons, we've covered verses 12 down through verse 21. And please, if you miss any of these, there's a reason we post these. There's a reason we have the podcast, we have them on the internet, so that you can stay caught up. And so there's too much to recap. I would ask that you would listen to those and uh, understand where we're at. But I do want to remind you of the emphasis last week before we begin tonight. I did mention verses 22 and 23 last time, but the... That was really just to shape the timing of the context. Really, the focus was verses 20 and 21, where we considered how Christ is sent into the life of the believer at the moment of salvation, and from Him we will receive times of refreshing as we live in His presence. Um, But remember in verse 21, Peter mentions how Christ must physically be in heaven until the times of the restitution of all things. And the point that Peter is making in this is to let them know, do not expect another Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah who would deliver them while they were upon the earth, who would usher in the kingdom, bring them out from Roman rule, and establish them earthly. But that didn't happen, because Christ came to suffer. Amen. They had been guilty of shaping the Messiah into what they believed He should have been. The application for us was when your idea of Christ doesn't match your reality, then don't think you need to look for another Christ, although many will. They'll become discouraged. They'll begin to wonder what in the world's going on. And the problem isn't with God. The problem is with us. Many have been taught when you come to Christ, everything's just going to work out dandy. Well... When that doesn't happen, people begin to turn their back from God. Did I say that right? Remember the rich young man who came to Christ in Matthew chapter 19. He asked Jesus, Good Master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Jesus said to him, Keep the commandments. And Jesus listed five of the Ten Commandments at that moment. The Ten Commandments, the way they're broken down, the first four are very clearly our relationship with God. The next six are those that affect our relationship with mankind. 
which we know also affects our relationship with God. But those last six are the ones that Jesus listed five of. And the young man said, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus replied, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And then in Matthew 19, 22, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What was his problem? He was guilty of coveting, which was the only one of the six Jesus didn't mention when he listed five of them. And the man said, I've kept all these from my youth up. I've not committed adultery. I've not had false witness. I've not stolen. Uh, you know, my mind's drawing a blank here. I, I do know the Bible. And um, <laughs> ice cream, amen. Brain freeze. Um, so anyway, the one that Jesus didn't mention was the one about coveting. And that was this man's problem. Jesus had put his finger on his problem. And instead of submitting to God, he went away sorrowful because Christ did not turn out to be who he wanted him to be. And people are still guilty of that today, trying to look for another Christ who will be what they want him to be so that everything in life will just work out magically. They want an escape from troubles and trials and tribulations in this life, but Jesus taught us to expect all these things. And the message last week was stop looking for another. The Christ of the Bible is all that we need. Now for tonight, I inadvertently piggybacked on this thought, but we'll all get over it. Verse 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. So as I mentioned last week, Peter now reaches back to Deuteronomy to make his point that the Messiah did arrive as foretold by Moses nearly 1,500 years earlier. And remember how much that Israel had exalted Moses by the time Jesus had come on the scene. They practically worshipped him. And in some aspects, we could say they did worship Moses. In fact, when we get to chapter 6 of the book of Acts, and Stephen is uh, before the council, false witnesses are brought who say of Stephen... We've heard him, speaking of Stephen, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And others said, this man, ceaseth, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. So they had really placed Moses on a pedestal. And of course, Peter knew this all too well because he had been guilty of the very same thing. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when our Lord was transfigured before them and there showed up Moses and Elijah, Peter said, let's build a tabernacle for all three of you. And so he was elevating Moses onto this pedestal, uh, in, in a sense, worshiping Moses the same way one would have worshiped Jesus. And so um, he understood where these people were at in their understanding of Moses. And since the authority of Moses was unquestionable by Israel, it was good for Peter now to try and show how that they as apostles were actually not departing from Moses' teaching at all. But actually, they're, they're coming in agreement with Moses' teaching. 
that the arrival of the Messiah would come, the same Jesus, Peter said, that you've crucified. The one he's preaching about before this. And so Peter begins in verse 22 by saying, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, or unto their ancestors, the forefathers of their nation, he's basically saying, look, this crippled man that you're beholding, who's having a, a spell, as we would say back in the south, he's leaping and he's walking and he's praising God and he's getting the mean looks from the independent Baptist preachers that don't like excitement in church and... and yeah, um, we need a good dose to Pentecost. Anyway, we'll stop there. And so here he is. And Peter, as he's seeing all this, he's letting them know, look, all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to come in line with what Moses said. I'm trying to show you that that's all we're doing. Moses said this day was going to come. This prophet would arise. And now we're seeing it. And he quotes from Deuteronomy. What did he say? What did Moses say in Deuteronomy? It says, in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him shall ye hearken, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. We'll probably say more about that next week. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So the prophet that God would raise up like unto Moses he was one that would stand in direct opposition to the false prophets that are mentioned there in Deuteronomy 18. If you go to Deuteronomy 18, before that prophecy is given, God lets the children of Israel know, don't consult wizards and charmers and necromancers and all the rest. Stay away from that. And then as, as it keeps going, we are told God's going to raise up a prophet. That prophet you're going to hear. And again, I don't have time to get into it tonight, but they had said before that we don't want to hear God when they were at Mount Sinai. We don't want to hear His voice. We are too afraid. And God lets them know there's going to be one prophet that is going to rise up, and you will hear Him. And if you don't, you're going to be destroyed. And they use, uh, and so Peter uses the passage from Deuteronomy because the children of Israel, they knew to be looking for a prophet. They knew that prophecy of Moses and they knew to be looking. What, what I find, and I could be wrong on this, but, but what I find is when, when they were looking for a prophet, I don't know that they fully connected that the prophet and the Christ were going to be one and the same. It seems like at times they did, at times they didn't. And, I, and I'll give you some verses to kind of show you where I'm coming from. The Pharisees sent priests to John the Baptist, and they asked him in John 1.21, Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. But then later on in verse 25 there, And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? And so they appear to make a distinction between that prophet and that Christ, at least right there in John 1.25. In John chapter 6, a great multitude are, is following after Jesus because they saw the miracles that He performed. That's when people like the Messiah that they have. We're getting all the benefits. And so life's good. We're going to follow this man. And then 
Jesus sees the multitude. He realizes he needs to feed them. And 5,000 men uh, sit down. And, and with five loaves and two fishes, Jesus miraculously feeds all these people. And then they said in John 6, 14, uh, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. In John chapter 7, Jesus stood at their, at their feast day and He cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then in John seven forty, many of the people said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. And to further show that they were not quite connecting the dots on the prophet also being Christ, in the very next verse, John seven forty one, others said, this is the Christ. And so they just said, hey, this is the prophet. And then they say, well, I think maybe this is the Christ. After they just made that, that um, distinction of him being the prophet. But then at times it seems that maybe they did understand that the prophet and Christ were going to be one and the same because of how they would speak about it. In John 7.41, they would talk about how Christ would not come out of Galilee. Why were they saying that? Because they knew a prophet wouldn't arise out of Galilee. And then later in that same chapter, the chief priest will, will prove that. They'll say to Nicodemus, Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And even the followers of Jesus were confused after Jesus was crucified. Remember, the two are walking back from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and the resurrected Lord shows up beside them. I love that account because they're talking about Jesus, and Jesus shows up, and they don't even... They don't even realize what's going on, and, and it's just funny to me. and uh, Not funny, ha-ha, funny, huh? Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm getting a little worried that, okay, thanks. And so they, um, they're walking back. They're confused. Jesus shows up, and he's like, what are y'all talking about? Are you a stranger in Israel? Have you not heard what's been going on? But they say this, he was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. And then they said in Luke 24, 21, but we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. They were putting it together that the prophet and the Christ would be one in the same. They understood the prophecy by Moses. But they were confounded that the Messiah would suffer. And my point in highlighting these passages, I'm, I'm trying to build up to my main point here tonight. I'm trying to establish how they knew that they were looking for that prophet. They had the passage in Deuteronomy 18. They knew who they were looking for. At least they knew who it foretold of. Jesus even declared himself to be a prophet when he said to those of his own country, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. But sadly, when the prophet who was like unto Moses showed up, and yea, a greater than Moses. When Jesus showed up, they rejected Him as that prophet. And they ended up crying out for His crucifixion. And because Christ was better than Moses, the writer of Hebrews would later write of Christ in Hebrews 3.3 that this man, Jesus, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now, Peter here, he goes on to cite how Moses said that this prophet God would raise from among the children of Israel would be like unto Moses. 
I wondered in what ways is this true? If they're looking for a prophet that's going to be like Moses, what were some things that they should have been putting together? I'll just mention these quickly for sake of ice cream. We could do several sermons just right here, okay? But I'm just going to throw these at you, and this probably won't be all-inclusive, but you'll get my point. When Moses was born, the Pharaoh ordered that all the Hebrew males born be killed. When Jesus was born, Herod ordered all the children two years of age and under be killed in Bethlehem and the coast thereof. And then as Moses took refuge from the Pharaoh's wrath by living in Egypt in Pharaoh's palace... So Mary, Joseph, and Jesus had to flee to Egypt for refuge from Herod's wrath. Both were helped and served by women named Mary. Moses' sister was Miriam, which is the Old Testament version of Mary. And of course, Jesus' mother was Mary. Both had foster parents, if you will. Moses had been adopted into Pharaoh's house. He was called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Jesus had an earthly dad, Joseph, who we know was not his biological father. Both were of royalty. Moses was adopted into it. And Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Most High. And God is often called King throughout the Old Testament. The identity of both of them were concealed throughout their youth, or at least Moses was raised as an Egyptian. Both increased in wisdom as they grew up. Both returned from where they had fled after the death of the king. Both gave up their riches. Moses gave up the riches of Egypt and Jesus the riches of glory. Both were called out of Egypt. Both were shepherds, and Jesus still is, of course. Moses kept Jethro's flock, and Jesus is our great shepherd. Moses was on the backside of the desert for 40 years, while Jesus was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, being tempted of the devil. Both were sought to be killed when they were adults. Both were sent by God. Both fasted for 40 days. Both were teachers. Both faces were transfigured on a mountain. Both were heads over the household of God. Jesus and Moses are both said to have been mighty in word and deed. They both came on the scene performing miracles. Both commanded the wind and the sea. Both were sent to deliver people from bondage. Both were sent by the Father's will. Both desired reconciliation of the people. Both were considered a judge. Both heard from God. Both married a Gentile bride. Both spoke with God face to face. Both were challenged by their family members. Both had their authority challenged by the people. Both were almost stoned by those they came to save. Both were prophets and lawgivers. Both sent out 12 men for a special purpose. Both appointed 70 men. Both erected a tabernacle. Moses was physical. Jesus' was spiritual. Both finished the work God gave them to do. Both were called meek men. Moses raised up the serpent on a pole to save the people from the serpent's bite. Jesus was lifted up on the cross to save mankind from the bite of Satan. Both have outstretched, uh, both had outstretched arms on, on each side of, and two men on each, uh, a man on each side of them, though both were for very different reasons. Both were ridiculed and rejected by the people they came to de- deliver, though both succeeded in delivering the people. Both of their deaths generated disputes and rumors. Moses died outside of the promised land. Jesus died outside of Jerusalem. Both established Passover memorials. Both established covenants between God and man. Moses the old covenant and Jesus the new. And the most often cited similarity between the both is that they both were intercessors. And yet, isn't it amazing in that long list of things, and I'm sure there's more we could add in there, that they missed that prophet that Moses said, God would raise up from among your brethren like unto me. 
they even said they were looking for Him. How is it they became so blinded? Listen, I want to tell you tonight, we tend to be guilty of the very same thing. And again, I hate to piggyback on last week's, but I guess it's just not out of my system yet. We get an idea of what we think Christianity ought to be. And when things don't go the way we hope, we lose sight of what is plainly stated before us in God's Word. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, the Bible said there's going to be one like unto Moses. I don't know how many I gave you. There might have been 50 things there. And yet, they missed them. But we hear, we hear that, hey, this is the prophet. That's the prophet. We're looking for the prophet. Search and see. That's not where the prophet, the prophet, the prophet. And yet the prophet's right before them and they're missing him. When things don't go our way, we lose sight of what the Bible has already taught us. If we're not careful. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing hath happened unto you. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Mark 13.8, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. John 16.33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace, In the world, ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 2.3 Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So listen to me tonight. We are told in the Word of God, expect these things. Expect fiery trials. Expect persecutions. Expect troubles. Expect tribulation. Expect hardships and all the rest. But but then when those things come our way and we're actually going through it, we begin to wonder what in the world's going on. God must be mad at me. I must not be in the will of God. I just don't understand why God would let this happen to one of His children. And all of a sudden we lose sight of what is so clearly already foretold of in the Word of God. How do we become so blinded? Because in a sense we become no different than the people that Peter is talking to and we lose sight of the Messiah. We lose sight of that prophet. Why are we so blinded? I'm afraid it's because we aren't really in God's Word like we say that we are. Listen, God's Word is clear. We must enter into the kingdom through much tribulation. The Pharisees, the council, they, man, they thought they were masters of God's Word. But they really didn't digest it all. They, in fact, forsook it. What they really did 
was they allowed the tradition of men to crowd out the Word of God. And the tradition of men today that is crowding out the Word of God is that everything's going to be okay if you come to Christ. Hey, do you want a better life? Do you want things to go well? Do you want this? Do you want that? Then why don't you come forward tonight and we'll show you how you can know Christ as your Savior and everything's going to be great. I think I was talking with Brother Dawson after the service this morning, Gary Dawson, and he said, he mentioned the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I think that was you, brother. I mean, we, we don't even understand what persecution is. Peter says, Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Quoting Deuteronomy. But are you really hearing him tonight? Take God at his word. Do not be guilty of missing what is already plainly stated. You say, my home is a mess. Well, I'm sorry. But are you practicing what God clearly has put in place? And if you can't even answer what that is, you're proving my point. You're not in the Word of God. Say, my home's a mess. Well, husbands, are you loving your wives? Wives, are you reverencing and submitting to your husbands? Children, are you obeying? Fathers, are you provoking your children under wrath? It's so very clear. It's right there. It's stated. There's no way to mess it up. It's, well, my walk with God isn't where it should be. Well, are you in God's Word? Are you in prayer? Are you faithful to church? Are you witnessing? Are you giving? Five to thrive. Are you practicing it? Are you faithful? Well, things are just so difficult. What did you expect? And and that's a very serious question. I'm not being a jerk. You know, things are just so hard. And what did you honestly expect? You know, Jesus, he, he, he says to a group one day, what went, what went you out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaking in the wind? A, a man clothed in soft rain? What, what did you go out to see? What did you expect? And so I wonder, what is it that we expected that makes us say to, that God's not being fair? Who gave us that idea? I already cited the verses tonight that have taught us expect fiery trials, expect troubles, expect tribulation, expect hardship. Expect it. Anything other than that is really just icing on the cake. I don't know. Maybe it's just my dad raised me and made me clearly understand uh, you're not owed anything in this life, young man. (laughs) I want you to understand... God is not hiding anything from us. It is all right here in God's Word. And so whatever it is you're going through, and I know you're going through deep waters, whatever it is you're going through, the answer is here in God's Word. God is not hiding the answer. And the problem is we have got to get our eyes off of what we expect the Messiah to be and what our idea of Christianity ought to be and just get back to what the Bible says. You understand, these first century Christians who turned the world upside down, they gave their life for Christ. So what do you mean? They died. And so now we need to be a doer of the Word and not just a hearer only. And so I just want to use this. I want to just give a short message tonight. So I'll just close with this. Don't be guilty of missing Christ at work in your life by not being familiar 
with how He works and being unfamiliar with His Word. Don't miss it. Because I know what's going to happen. Somebody's going to come in and they're going to want to talk. Great, that's what I'm here for. And there's going to be all this confusion. I don't understand why this. I don't understand why that. What did you expect? This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And in this life, Jesus said, you will have trouble. Let's pray. We'll end on a good note, amen?